Are you ready for the bridegroom? Are you ready for the bridegroom? Our gospel today, we have this parable of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. And immediately we're struck by, why couldn't they just share, you know, that everyone can get to go in. In this parable, the oil represents something that is unable to be shared. And that's the degree of charity in each and every one of our own souls. The amount of good works. The avoidance of sin. Charity in our souls. And that cannot be shared. That cannot be distributed to another. And so the wise are the ones who are ready. They've grown in charity in their lives. They've done good works. They've avoided sin. And therefore they are ready for the bridegroom. The bridegroom, of course, is none other than Jesus himself. We are the church. The church is the bride of Christ. We are called not just to attend a wedding banquet, but to be the main part of the wedding banquet, to enter into that covenant with Jesus that was begun at our baptism, which is made real at every Mass, especially when we receive Holy Communion. We enter into communion with the bridegroom. But ultimately will be perfected in its fullness when Christ returns or when we die and meet him. So are you ready for the bridegroom? There's a church, a famous church in Rome. It's titled the Bone Church. The Bone Church. Because in the basement, it just has thousands and thousands of bones. Floors, the ceiling, uh, on the walls, etc., And when you're leaving this church in the last room, there's a sign on the floor that says this. Quote, what you are now, we once were. What we are now, you soon will be. What you are now, we once were. What we are now, you soon will be. Might be helpful to ponder some questions. When we die, when you die, what will it be like? Will it be sudden and tragic or slow and expected? Will you be young or will you be old, alone or surrounded by people? Will it be day or night, summer or winter? And all of us have to admit, like, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know what our death will be like. We don't know when it will come. We don't have control over that. We don't know when the bridegroom will return. But... We can always be ready. And if we're ready, it doesn't matter when the bridegroom comes because we're ready. Like the five wise virgins. Their souls filled with charity, full of good works from their entire life. They are ready for the bridegroom when he comes at the unexpected hour. Are you ready for the bridegroom? There's a prayer that will always be answered. We always think, okay, we pray for these things. Like, what prayer will always be answered in the affirmative? And it's this. It's the humble, persevering, faithful prayer for the graces necessary for our salvation. God will always grant that prayer. It's most perfectly evidenced and exampled by our Blessed Mother. Be it done according to your word. Mary only wanted God's will to be done. 
And therefore, whatever God's will was, she got it, right? The persevering, humble, faithful prayer for the graces necessary for salvation will always be answered. If you pray like that, you will never be disappointed. You can pray for wealth, you can pray for health, you can pray for good things to happen in your life, and you may or may not get those. But to pray for the graces to become holy, to become a saint, you will receive those. And you will realize that everything that comes your way in life, objectively good or bad, is only there in order to make you holy. I'd like us to consider the three possibilities when we die. The three possible states of our soul when we meet the Lord. One is we're at enmity with him. We're not in friendship with him. We're separated. We're not in communion. If we die that way, that means hell forever. The other two options are heaven. We die in friendship with him but we still have some attachments to sin. We still need some purification. All right? We still kind of want to sin, even though we were forgiven of our sins. That's death, purgatory, but then heaven forever. And then the third option is we die in friendship and we're perfected. We've done penance for all our sins. We have no attachment to sin. That is heaven immediately and forever. That's the great gift of the sacrament of confession. When we confess our sins to our, to our best ability, we're forgiven, and we know we're in friendship with God. We know that we are right with him, and that we'll be in heaven forever, whether uh, needing some purification in purgatory or heaven immediately. But it's important to realize that that purification process must and will happen if we are to be in heaven forever. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. In Hebrews, strive for that holiness without which no one will see God. And Jesus, referencing purgatory, said, You will not get out until you paid the last penny. I think purgatory is something we need to realize and think about. It's something we've forgotten as Catholics. And the beautiful thing is when we think about purgatory, it actually makes us want to be a saint now. Otherwise, oh, doesn't matter what you do, you die and you go to heaven. Like, no, we've forgotten that that's not the reality. We must be perfected, we must be purified to enter the glory and beatitude of heaven. So we either have to be purified, my friends, in this life or the next, the hard way or the easy way. And it makes sense to do it now. Being purified now in this life is much better. Why? First of all, you become a better person. <laughs> more virtuous, more loving, more kind, more patient. You become more of what a human person is called to be. Second, by going through our purification, our perfection now, we merit greater beatitude in heaven. It's meritorious. You get credit for it if you do it in this life. Purgatory, your purification of purgatory, you don't get credit for that. <laughs> it's just a purification process, and then you get to go to heaven. But you don't get any increase in merit or glory in heaven. It makes sense to be purified now. This week, this past week, most of you know, I, I let you know that I was in California 
with the Carmelites of the most sacred heart of Jesus of Los Angeles, their religious order. Five of them came to visit us about a year ago, November, and I was at their convent on retreat, and it was just a beautiful time. Got to pray, got to be with Mass, at Mass with them. I do wonder, though, looking back, if my Masses there actually counted, because I didn't hear any kids' voices or crying or anything. I I think that's obligatory to have a a valid Mass. Um, I kind of look forward to coming back to hear those voices again. But uh, I offered Mass four days for them, and one of the, the days was very special to them because it was the feast day of one of their Carmelites, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. A little more obscure, she was only named a saint in 2016. Um, but in order to prepare myself for that homily, I asked them for some books, and I read up on Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. And she's very similar to Saint Therese of Lisieux, um, French girl, French Carmelite. Um, from the same time, she entered the Carmel, she entered the convent just a couple years after St. Therese died, so at the beginning of the 1900s. And she died at a young age from a serious illness. She died at the age of 26, Therese died at the age of 24. But again, reflecting on Elizabeth's life and then as well uh, Therese's life, they endured great suffering in their life, great illness, physical suffering, But through that, they were perfected. (laughs) They were made holy. They were sanctified, ready for heaven when they died. And I found myself during this week (laughs) wanting that. Maybe not necessarily that pain, that suffering, but wanting to be purified, wanting to be perfected. And, you know, maybe maybe the, the Lord will allow some serious illness to come to me, you know, that I'll give you six months to live or something and be able to be purified that way. But, you know, I just turned 40, and I still can play hockey. I still can run and jump. I feel like I'm going to live forever. So I feel like my purification in this life is of a different sort, at least for now. That of being a pastor, that of being a father, that of a more active, right? Those sisters, those who suffer physically, some of you have those crosses, your purification is more of a passive, right, one. But I think for more of us now in our lives, it's more of an active purification, taking on our responsibilities, doing, pouring out ourselves lovingly and selflessly for our spouses and for our children. So I found this to be my prayer this week. Lord, make me a saint, whatever it takes. Purify me in this life so I don't have to be purified in the next Do not spare me in the making, but make me a saint, whatever it costs. And I need the Lord to, like, pull me into that, right? Like, I'm lazy, I'm selfish, um, I'm fearful, I'm weak. Like, I need the Lord, almost like purgatory is, because we're forced into purgatory to be purified. I almost need him to do that to me in this life. Um, But if we pray for that, he will give us that grace, And I even found even that perspective has already just changed how I view things. You know, even turning on my phone, getting some emails at the end of the week, realizing, okay, this is what I got to go back to. I have some things I got to deal with. But even with that perspective of wanting to be purified, wanting to become a saint in this life, help me look at those responsibilities, some things I have to deal with coming up, 
in a different light, like a positive way, like, okay, this is, this will make me holy (laughs) if I do this in the right way, if I accept this as God's will. To see everything in that light of needing to be purified, to be made holy, changes everything, my friends, and allows us to persevere in our daily sufferings, responsibilities, and challenges. And ultimately, this is the purpose of the Catholic faith in Jesus. It's our parish mission to create an authentic Catholic culture and community. Why? So we can become holy, so we can become saints, to be more and more like Jesus. To have a community, a culture where it's easier for us to have that perspective, easier to make us saints. I'll leave us with one final quotation. This is from a a novel called The Power and the Glory by Graham Greene. And it kind of follows a disgraced priest. He's titled the Whiskey Priest for obvious reasons, and he um, fathered an illegitimate um, child. And he just has a lot of humiliation and disgrace in his life. And he's lying there at the end of his life, and this is what the book says about him, about this disgraced priest. It says, he felt only an immense disappointment because he had to go to God empty-handed with nothing done at all. It seemed to him at that moment that it would have been quite easy to have been a saint. It would only have needed a little self-restraint and a little courage. He felt like someone who has missed happiness by a split Second, he knew now at the end there was only one thing that counted, to be a saint. He knew he could have been a saint if he had a little more self-restraint and a little more courage. My friends, I don't want that regret, that immense disappointment at the end of my life. I don't think you want it either. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can go all in now. You can make it your prayer. Lord, give me the graces necessary to make me a saint so I don't have to be purified in the next life. I can be purified now. Lord, make me a saint now, whatever the cost may be. And then watch. Watch the Lord answer that prayer.